0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 38 of Deep in the Novo. I'm Ryan Novozinski, joined here, as always, by my co-host, Sadeep Tuma. This is our first episode of the new year, 2021. It's going to be a lot better. Um, and by any indication of OSU upsetting Texas Tech, 82 to 77, it's going to be a better year for the OSU Cowboys as well. Um, obviously, getting an upset over a top 15 team, especially one like Texas Tech, is, is a pretty impressive feat, wouldn't you say, Sadeep?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you kind of were fearful going into the break after those two losses. Because TCU, I mean, in all likelihood, they beat themselves, right? Texas could have been a win. Sure. Then you go into a very tough stretch, Stuck Texas Tech. But it was, I mean, it's not like OSU has been blown out all season long, right? They've been competitive in every game. They won almost every game. Mm-hmm. Two losses they had prior to this, they were competitive. They, they had a chance to win both of them. They were up for a good amount of both of them. But they end up falling short. And this was a game where it it really meant a lot to win, not just for this game, but to show what you could put together, you know, for several reasons, right? It shows the players that, okay, when we, you know, we come together, when we play defense, this is what we can do. And it shows other teams, okay, OSC was not to be trifled with, right? It has a lot of effects. And this was a big win for
0: this team. You know, and there was a lot of different things that OSU did in this game that I feel like uh, translated, obviously, into the win. Um, that's obvious. But it also translated into a different kind of play style and something that proved that their their offense has evolved over the past couple of weeks where they had the time off, you know. Um, you saw it in, in the transition game, definitely. You saw it um, in just how much they sh- shot way better. Um, and then you saw it down low, too. Obviously, one of my favorite – one of our favorite things we've talked about all season – is Isaac likely down low? You know, um, especially in the post. And I believe one of the announcers said it when when he was posting up uh, one of the players on Texas Tech, um, and he was down there, and he he ended up missing the shot. I believe it was Caleb Boone who got the rebound, um, and he just showed a it showed a great aggression, a great attack from this offense, and one that I feel like also could show a little bit of confidence down low, especially for a guy who's a little bit pint-sized like um, Isaac Likely is. Obviously, he's not going to be a force down low, but he kind of is. Uh, and he's just sort of proven that so far this season. And, and I think that was one of the things that really stuck out to me and really showed that OSU can be like a really determined team this year.
1: It's funny when you talk about Isaac Likely, he, he's like a big man. He really is, you know, yeah. the, especially with the role he's playing this season. Because we've seen in college basketball, you know, six, 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 seven. 6'7". Uh, big men dominate. I mean, think about Cam McGriff, but obviously we're not using the word dominate there, but, you know, be effective there. Think about Grant Williams for Tennessee just a couple of years ago. Sure. He was six 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 seven, and he was considered one of the best big men in the country and one who, when you hand him the ball in the low block, he was going to score more times than not. And Isaac likely is doing it. He's playing that role where on offense, he can run in for a rebound, or he's just putting his body there and he's got the length, the strength, the anticipation to grab rebounds. On the block, he's able to score from there. He's able to pass from there. He's playing really well off Cade right now. And it's giving you such versatility where you can get hand in the ball like a like the point guard role he can play. He can run downhill on those drives. He can uh, post up there. You got so many different things. And then again, you know about the defense, right? And again, versatility there. You can play on that 2-3 zone. You can play in the low block. Uh, you can play up there, you know, pressuring the ball. He's got all sorts of roles. And you, it's just giving this team so much more versatility with all these guards they have.
0: Yeah, and, you know, speaking of some of these guards, man, I mean, when we talk about Isaac Likely, uh, but when you talk about guards on this team, we've got to talk about Bryce Williams and the, and the show that he's yeah. been putting on this season. My goodness. I mean, you got – golly, we can't say it enough. What happened at Old Miss? He, something must have, I don't know. He must have spit on children or something like that because you can't tell me that this guy who's likely to be one of the best players on this team when it's all said and done um, was so, you know, dismissed at this school, you know, because it's mind boggling. You look at the shooting, you look at the passing, you look at the aggressive aggression on defense and obviously yesterday, a good stat line, 15 points, three assists, four rebounds. This guy can do it all.
1: No doubt. I mean, you're right. I mean, what did happen? <laughs> uh, Mike Boyen called Bryce Williams, their most complete player last year. Called him was most complete player on a team with Isaac likely and Cade Cunningham. Bryce Williams is their most complete player, but you, you just talk about it from, from top to bottom, not just, you know, the scoring, the defense, the rebounding, the steals also the athleticism, right? I mean, I, 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 I think I'd say easily that he's their most athletic player. And he's, got, he, and he's so poised, too. I mean, he's not just, you know, like Avery Anderson sometimes, you know, out of control, just, you know, using ap- athleticism, just, you know, losing it and just going full speed at all times. He understands when to attack. He's He can he knows when to pull up. He's got a good pace to his game. Obviously not like Cade, but he's got a good pace for sure. And it's just giving you, once again, another option, another playmaker, a guy who can score by himself, who can get to the basket, who can spread out and shoot. He can pass really well. So he can reverse the ball. He can play in the sl- flow of the system. Or you can hand him the ball. He can go get you a basket. You can hand him the ball. He can run in a high pick and roll and then pass, you know, make that little outlet pass or one to an outside guy. He can play within the system. He can play off the bench. He can start. And he was a guy who really gave a spark for this team. But his biggest contribution were those three-pointers, right? Yeah. Because we talk about this team and the way it operates with so many guards, which is fine, honestly. Like I keep saying, running four guards, five guards if you want is fine. You just have to be able to hit threes because when Cade Cunningham and Isaac Levy are going downhill, that w- which is where they're, they're at their best and where you want them to go, they need those outlets to not only when they get doubled pass out, which they are getting doubled a bunch, right, but mm-hmm. also you know, be able to get more floor spacing because you have Farron start hitting threes. You have Bryce Williams hit threes. Rondell Walker hit threes. Then all of a sudden, the defense can't help as much. If they want to, if they want to gamble and say, okay, stopping Cade is more important than letting those threes fly. And you got to start hitting a couple of them because you think about the margin of victory in most of these games, it's single digits, right? I mean, yeah. it is. It that is, it literally is, right? And, and most of the times.
0: If you look this, at Texas, a, a right. team might be top four in the country, but but it's all said and done this week. It, that was what? A couple points? Uh, right. uh,
1: I, I believe three points. I yeah. mean, the, you're talking about these little things, and, and I'm not going to, you know make it so elementary that hey you hit two threes or one three and you're tied or went no but at the same time yes you know like because <laughs> you see in the flow of the game you're only down a few points and you keep knocking out those threes you know to open guys and they're missing but if just one or two of those go in then suddenly the defense has to you know step out just one two three four five feet and all of a sudden you open up a driving lane you open up a rebounding lane you you just open up the whole floor and this offense really takes off this problem this team with this this team I don't think it's a youth as much. It's really just a shooting because you think about guys, they've really bought into roles. They've bought into the system. They've bought into the defense. They've bought into his coach, but they're one thing really. I mean, it's just a shooting, but this is a game where they shot really well from three and it really, I mean, and also, I mean, they're finding the good threes. That's, that's what I really talk about. Right. It's not like they just have to hit threes to hit threes. You see them when what they did really well, this game was pass the ball before they got into spots where they got stuck. That's, that's what something happened early on in the season. But now, whether it's Avery Anderson, Cade, Isaac Likely, they're passing the ball out of drives quickly. And they're not just passing guys that are open for threes. Sometimes they are. But sometimes the smart passes to a guy who's going to pass to a guy who's open for a three. And yeah. OSU really did that well this game. The problem was when those t- shots don't hit, you got an issue. But you look at the percentage, you look at the shots, you look at the production you got this game, I think 42% from three, that's what you're looking for.
0: I never saw it as a youth thing, right? Because you looked at some like you look at some of the young guys. The oldest guy in this team, obviously, besides Fair and Flavors, is Isaac Likely, who I still feel, feel like still is a freshman. And I don't mean that as any disrespect or knock on him. I mean that as, oh my God, I'm getting old, and Isaac Likely is getting old. Um, but the way I see it is that you know, some of these young guys are the reason that this team is thriving. Obviously, Kate is is the big one there. But I mean, Rondell Walker, are you kidding me? How many clutch threes did he hit yesterday? I mean, that was incredible. And, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, when you look at Avery Anderson and the game that he had uh, yesterday too, like, I don't see it as a youth thing. I see it as a, man, once you start getting this team rolling with when it comes to shooting, they can do so much, obviously beating Texas Tech.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a momentum swing. You think about the Warriors, right? those threes not only put up a lot of points, they not only stretch the floor, mm-hmm. it's a momentum thing. You hit one, two, suddenly you hit 10, right? And, yeah. it's, it, and it's, it's backbreaking because it's a momentum thing. It's a confidence thing for the defense, right? If, if you're up there and you start making a couple of threes on Texas Tech that plays such good defense or even a team that plays bad defense, it's just mind-boggling because you can do everything right, then someone can just hit in your face, right? Or yeah. you can do everything right, but just one like millisecond slow rotation or sometimes the right rotation, a guy hits in your face. That's it's backbreaking. Those threes, you, I mean, two threes mean more than three twos. It's the truth. I mean, it's a confidence thing. Ask anyone who plays basketball. That's the truth. And this team and the way they're built, threes are so crucial. And you're right. I mean, you talk about the youth, you've got, you've got older guys. And here's the thing. You talk about your freshmen. Kate Cunningham is one of the most poised freshmen of all time. Probably. (laughs) Right. You think about that. I mean, that's one of his biggest attributes. Cause I've I've been thinking about his NBA draft stock the other day. He's not elite athlete the way that you see from, you know, Ben Simmons. For all his weaknesses with shooting and everything, Ben Simmons' athleticism for that size is ridiculous. Kate Cunningham, he's got such size, strength. But you think about his strengths, it's all about what he's already made. You know, they talk about prospects most of the time. And a lot of times NBA teams will take raw bodies, right, physicality, athleticism, etc., and then build on the shooting, the decision making, the blah blah. Kate got all that in NBA level, right? As if he's a five to ten year vet already. You think about the high IQ, the playmaking, the this this the pace, these type of things are things you mature as you go along. What he lacks is things that'll you know possibly, you know, knock down a ceiling, a notch or two in the NBA. But that's what we're talking about right now. My Mm -hmm. whole point is things that make him a guy. And so I guess the whole point I'm saying is in spite of those, you know, lack of athleticism and stuff, people are still looking at him as the number one pick simply because he's just so talented and so poised and so mature beyond his level in 2020.
0: That's so true, yeah, and and you're right. Like, I mean, there's, there's so many experts and stuff you'll see where, where uh, these draft stock, they still have him at that number one pick, and um, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because you hear, like, even the announcers will say it. They'll be like, Cade Cunningham does not need to, you know, have – all these points per game he right. just needs to have you know be, be the facilitator on offense and he'll make everybody around him better and and he's done that already I mean you look at what um and that's this is not to discredit Avery Anderson's work this offseason and what he's been able to do but man he's really stepped his game up and I, and I feel like he's uh playing really well with Cade and and everybody's playing really well with Cade. Um, and maybe that's yeah. one of the reasons Bryce Williams played so, so damn good uh, is, is because he has that element. Uh, and it, it's it, so uh, interesting to see all these motions and, and these, these wheels come together because this team is coming together. And this was, I feel like, the perfect glimpse of it, don't you think? Uh, to start the yeah. year off with everything working, as we've said many times in this podcast, uh, the shooting when it works, the passing when it works, the defense. We'll get into that in a little bit. But man, when that works, it works, it can all work really well. It really
1: does, and it, it it's a thing where you're doing this against, you know, one of the best defense in the country. Texas Tech has a reputation for defense, right? right, and stymieing defense. And the way you beat it is you play as a team, you make smart decisions, you make smart passes, and you understand that you're going to have to hit some tough baskets against a team that's going to contest a lot of shots. It's going to create some steals, but you watch this team and the way they operated, it you're going to – like I said, you're going to have some bad turnovers here and there just because – You're playing a defense like this, but you make the right decision. You make the right moves. You take the right shots and you got to be satisfied at the end of the night. And I mean, you got really got to be satisfied with the win.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, Um, and one of the other things that that OSU was able to do so well was forcing turnovers, right? Um, When you look at the defensive side of the ball, uh, you, you had some great elements yesterday. You know, you had, you had the uh, the little bit of traps in there. You had, you had, uh, you know, a little bit of pressing in there obviously Mike Boynton just, just turning up the intensity there. Uh, and, and what I really liked was, was this two, three zone and how was, how it was working um, in combination too, with the man, they switched that up a little bit uh, and, and it worked really well. It was a good system against this Texas tech offense. Don't you think? And this is a,
1: yeah. And this is a combination of two things, really. You look at the steel disparity, 12 to three OSU dominated there and rightfully so. Yeah. And each and every game OSU has um, gone into that sort of flow where they, they attack, they blitz pick and rolls, right? they, attack them the high pick and rolls they they force you to you know reset your pick and roll not, not let you get into a flow then they double matchups they aggressively double right they overhelp a lot and that's why at times you're going to leave yourself exposed to three it's just pick your poison and osu's been doing that but what they did really well here was you know that two three zone and it wasn't just you know your standard two three zone they really extended it you saw how, how up the two guys on the wings were, Cade and Isaac Likely. They were up at the perimeter. They were really stopping the ball from going in the middle. They were completely extending it. Uh, they were, you know, almost, almost looking like at a matchup zone, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And guys guys were moving around really well, cohesion, doubling. And it, it was a strong zone. But you talk about the steals in the first forcing turnovers. That was really a key because a lot of those turnovers were, you know, uh, bad turnovers in terms of for Texas Tech. Yeah. There there are – a there, there is a differentiation, right? Turnovers, not all turnovers are created equal. Some turnovers are bad ones, right? You're standing at the top of the key. You pass the wing. Um, then OSU defender hits it, knocks in front, and suddenly they're full-speed transition. That is a bad tra- that is a bad turnover, like we always talk about. Yeah. And OSU had a couple of those. As in, they, they got a couple of those, which is, which is great. But it, it was a thing of that. It was a combination of their typical, you know, hedging, pressing, you're right. A lot of the t- attacking, pressuring. But it was also a combination of that plus... Texas Tech had to do some things, like OSU has had to do it sometimes with Kate Cunningham, where Texas Tech could not pass out to certain guys because even though they were open or even though they were lightly contested, once OSU rotated back, they know those guys are not going to make threes. So Mac McClung has to drive in. Mac McClung has to take tough threes. Terrence Shannon has to take some. Kyler Edwards has to take some. They have to drive in and try to force in some couple passes. But that doesn't make, just because they're forcing them a little bit, doesn't mean the easy steals at all. That was still OSU understanding the game plan and doing that. Now, say, like we talked about when they played Oral Roberts or uh, TCU or great three-point shooting teams, sometimes you want to go with that game plan of overpressuring, and you're going to leave yourself exposed to some good three-point shooters. And TCU and Oral Roberts and Oakland are all willing to pass out to those guys. OSU had the luxury in this game of, hey, we didn't need to extend to those guys, right? You see several guys like Burnett or um, other guys that – I in mean, Santos Silva, right, big men down the middle. I mean, not a lot of teams have – sometimes a lot of times they can't shoot but OSU it was a really combination right of their own defense and a combination of the way Texas Tech had to play try to force some balls in the middle or pass to some guys and not pass to other guys Mm -hmm. and but again that doesn't make it just an easy thing where OSU can just steal it. Simply because Texas Tech has to play that way. It still requires execution, game plan, and understanding and savvy. And OSU did all that, and they were able to really lock down on defense. And that, I mean, not even just lock down, Texas Tech was still able to do some stuff. But Texas Tech, Tech also had to take a, couple, a bunch of tough shots shots they were able to make. When you mm-hmm. have guys like Mac McClung, Kyler Edwards, Terrence Shands, these are talented players, and some of them are going to make them. But you saw the way OSU played. They, they bleeded out the clock a lot of times close to 30 seconds used before you could take a tough shot, not a shot Texas Tech wanted to take. Texas Tech might, you know, lose the ball. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of things that happened, but it's all really just credit to OSU and how they played.
0: Let me ask you this too, you know, because I, I, I want to really put this scope into the minds of OSU fans out there and just how good this team that uh, – that OSU beat the other day is, you know, mm-hmm. we look at this and what, what what Chris Beard has built at Texas Tech, right? We talk about the defensive identity, but when you add Mac McClung as a transfer to a team that was already a tournament team the year prior, a national cha- in the national championship type of team, right? Just a couple of minutes away, right? Just just right. one, and, and, and they're able to win that game. You add Mac McClung to that, one of the pro- most prolific scorers in the country. Can you tell us how good this Texas Tech team was no, at OSU beat because they're fantastic. Yeah.
1: I, I still can't believe they're ranked 13. I think this is a team that is much better than 13. Uh, I don't know how they're ranked there. But <laughs> at the same time, this is such a good Texas, te- Texas Tech team. Now, they lost Jemias Ramsey in the NBA, oh, uh, going to yeah. the NBA. And, but they got Mack McClung to make that up. And I, I would go out to say Mack McClung is a better player than Jermias Ramsey. Mm-hmm. and That's no disrespect to Ramsey, who is an excellent player. But Mack McClung is seasoned. He's a veteran. And he's also just a talent on both sides of the ball. McClellan plays hard on defense, Work. but on offense, he, he can shoot threes at a crazy rate. He can pull up. He can drive to the basket. He's very athletic, and he's always moving with or without that ball. And in that this motion offense for Texas Tech, it is perfect. It is a perfect fit. And this is a – like I said, this is a really, really good Texas Tech defense. Uh, Sorry, team. And while defense is their identity, they can certainly score on offense as well. Now, this is – again, it's it's not an easy win, but it just shows – was that osu is ready for the spotlight it's ready to be whatever people thought they could be right this is not just some cade and no one else team this is a team i mean think about it cade struggled severely this game and it just showed with all the other guys that really came out and played and played hard this is a very good team and osu's been close a lot of games think about it we're talking like a lot of people sometimes are talking like this is three and four something no this is a seven and three team seven and two team a team that was so competitive in those two games, they were so close from being 9-0. And I heard one of the commentators say during the broadcast, if OSU wins those two games against Texas and against TCU, they're a top-10 team. I agree with that 100% yeah. because you just look at, I mean, A, a win against Texas, and B, an undefeated record at this point, three games into Big 12 play. That is a very, very big checkmark.
0: Mm-hmm. You I, I know, Honestly, if you're an OSU fan, you just kind of hope that this doesn't end up like one of those weird seasons where OSU kind of just these these games where it's like TCU, right? Which is a very talented team. Those, those games just kind of get away from them, right? Um, and I don't, I don't think it's going that way. Uh, obviously, you look at the two losses and you can, you can try to prove me wrong like that. But, man, those were a lot closer than those weird OSU losses, right? Where yeah. they lose to, you know, like a TCU, like a bad TCU team, a middle league TCU team like I'm saying like two years ago when they were losing them by like 25 or something like that. Right. It's not the case anymore. And they would just get a random upset here and there. These, these, and, this yeah. is a team that can be upset. This is a good basketball team, a very good basketball team. And they're, they showed the nation that the other day. And I feel like this is going to be a huge win for the, the team going forward.
1: Yeah. When you bring up those other two games, that's where you can start talk about the youth a little bit and the inexperienced to some degree. But the big thing is these guys haven't played together, right? When you, when you come down to crunch time, who, who, Gets the ball? How do you operate? How do we play? There are nerves that come into your mind, thoughts that come into your mind. It's a little bit different. And it doesn't mean just everyone wants to take over the game. Some people want to shy away from touching the ball, right? They don't know what to do. And and sometimes it's bad because, yeah, you want to handcade the ball, but you want to keep your motion. You want to keep running your stuff. You want to keep moving without the ball because otherwise the the offense gets stale and immediately the defense can just double and that's the end of the game, like we saw against TCU, right? you 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 need to get in the flow
0: you have to understand and that's all
1: come from mike Boynton. what a tremendous job he's done
0: 100 yeah and you know this guy uh having this team going forward you know i know we talked a little bit about you know the inexperience in those two games what is this kind of win do you think what do, what do you think this win means for the team going forward what what can this do for this team's confidence
1: yeah i mean several things one you talk about confidence and what this means to this team I mean I'm I'm sure they know (laughs) how good they are but it just shows you right when you see it on paper when you see the win when it all comes together it shows okay yeah this is what we can really do (laughs) it shows the other guys aren't playing much right like a Donovan Williams hey yeah this is this what happens and again Bernard Como Como. and it just it it gives you kind of um, a sense of for fans as well, just understanding what it is. But it gives you a sense of, okay, when we hit threes, this is what happens. So let's go to the gym and make more threes, right? These different, different things that you can kind of work on. It shows when the defense, when you come into that side. And then it also shows you what works, what doesn't work. Because now you see what actually does work when it ends up in a win versus, hey, in a a loss, what did work, right? It it, it shows you a different scope of things. And it just shows the other teams in the Big 12 that this is not a team to be trifled with, right? It's not like they did take them easy or something. But it just, it gives you a real sense of, okay, yeah, let's let's not uh, just double, triple k and leave the other guys because they can hurt us as well. Yeah. It's because not everyone's got a defense and an offense like Texas Tech, right? I mean, yeah, you have t- teams like Kansas and so on, but still, it's 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 a type of thing where teams will have to alter a little bit, especially when you start hitting some threes. It just changes the whole scope
0: of how things run. OSU well, us West Virginia tomorrow. I mean, it's going to be a huge matchup for the team. Obviously, West Virginia coming off an upset loss, a right. loss to OU. Uh, maybe OSU might make it two losses in a row uh, for for Sooner State teams um, for the West Virginia Mountaineers, and that's such an interesting matchup
1: because the way West Virginia plays, they are such an old school, big man, grinded oh, out yeah. team. This is not press Virginia. This is not Javon Carter and that press attack. This is, this is such a different team. And you, you think about that, they says two very, very different teams clashing, right?
0: One of my it's, least favorite things that people say is that when people still call it press Virginia, it's like, shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you think about Oscar Toshiba and uh, Derek Culver and these big men and the way this team plays they are such an interesting team. It's going to be – I'm really curious how Mike Boyne and this team is going to attack on defense because you can really pack the paint a little bit and, you know, you really kind of have to, right, with these big men. I wonder how the rebound is going to go because mm-hmm. you talk about the size differential. This is the one time. This is not, this is not like Kansas with one Azubuke that I, I wouldn't even be worried about that because I he will figure that out easily but a game like this where you have you know such such that's kind of the deep that's the identity with this virginia team they're grinded out they play a completely different style than this you know energetic guard orientated group, i mean defense moving movement right athleticism versus that grinded out style it's going to be really interesting to see
0: mike boyan has the chance to upset two top 15 teams in a row Let's see if we can get it done uh, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern time against the West Virginia Mountaineers. That's all we have for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to our post-game coverage of OSU's 82-77 upset of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Thank you for tuning in to In the Novo, or Deep in the Novo, rather. Deep in the Novo. Deep in the Novo. Um, and continue to listen to all of our Ocali coverage at Ocali.com, at Ocali on Twitter, and at Ocali Sports on Twitter. For Deep in the Novo, I'm Ryan Amzinski. Thank you, and have a great day.